Welcome to Season 3 of Sidebars, Kilpatrick Townsend's limited podcast series celebrating Women's History Month. I'm April Abley Isaacson, a patent litigator and office managing partner in San Francisco. The campaign theme for International Women's Day 2023 is hashtag Embrace Equity. Our guests this season provide important perspectives on embracing equity and empowering women. I'm Kate Geyer, a patent litigation associate in Seattle. We're here to focus on equity for women in the legal profession and have candid conversations with leading professionals from diverse backgrounds. And I'm Megan Bussey, a partner on our patent prosecution and patent litigation teams in New York. Our guests this season are authors, legal professionals, business development managers, legal coaches, and consultants for lawyers. Each of our guests provide us with a unique outlook on equity in the legal profession. Welcome back to Sidebars. Our guest for this episode is Joseph Rosenfeld. He's a personal branding expert and image consultant. Joseph works extensively with attorneys and high-profile Silicon Valley executives. I'd like to start by reading a quote I really love from Joseph's website, josephrosenfeld.com. From the moment you walk into a deposition or a courtroom, the environment takes on a different air. Your awesome presence fills the room with confidence and gravitas. You are there to serve the best interests of your client, and it shows. Although most have not been privy to how much work behind the scenes has led to this moment, everyone can tell that you're prepared. They can tell because of one thing, your presence. Confident appearance, check. Engaging behavior, check. Well-chosen clothes, check. The bailiff calls the proceeding to order, the theatrics begin, and you are in it to win it. I just love that. Joseph, welcome to Sidebars. Thank you so much, April. It's really wonderful to be with you today. As we've talked about before, the campaign theme for International Women's Day 2023 is hashtag embrace equity. Joseph, what does equity mean to you? I think equity is about equality. And in my estimation, um, the things that make women successful, powerful, um, and competent uh, at the root of everything has something to do with who you are as a human being. And gender is certainly a part of that. Um, I am uh, a person who has had the uh, amazing privilege of working as a male with lots of females um, who want to have a full rounded uh, view of who they are. Um, and, and, and from a perspective of someone who is male, but also who sees people for their total humanity. And the more we are all able to show up as our full selves, where we are not trying to obfuscate gender or um, gender identity or sex uh, and sexual orientation um, or race or culture, any of these things, when, when we're allowing ourselves to show up in all the ways, we're connecting ourselves to like our cellular being. And when other people around us get to see that, it it can only be inspiring and attractive to those who absolutely need you and need your energy. So I see equity as getting a fair chance to be your full self unapologetically and without having to explain it the way that um, cisgendered white men never seem to have to explain. Joseph, there was one thing I saw on your LinkedIn that was very powerful. I mean, there's a lot of great quotes, and we're also going to talk about your New York Times quotes that were absolutely fabulous. But you say about yourself, there was a time when people perceived my presence as weak and made me question if I was as formidable as I believed. I even avoided opportunities to be visible. This changed when I developed my self-image and personal style. Can you talk a little bit more about that? 
Sure. This just goes back into the wayback machine of my life. Um, I was bullied as a boy and severely. Um, I can't imagine what it would have been like had that happened to me if I would have been a boy today. Um, The same physical uh, situations, but then multiplied by social media of today um, really makes me have incredible empathy for kids who go through this now. Um, And by the way, for adults um, who also get bullied. Um, So I endured all of that as a boy. And um, I had an epiphany as a 15-year-old that impacts the work that I do to this moment. Uh, But my epiphany was about me, um, and it was very specific to my experience of that time, which was, I may never be tall, and I'm not. I'm five foot three. I may never be handsome, although I definitely feel that I am now and have for a while, quite some time. Um, I may never be sexy or hot. I have my moments where I feel those ways too now. <laughs> um but I, I thought, but I, I could have something that would supersede looks. I could have style. I could have an image. I could have a sense of self that came from the inside that people could see, could, could capture an image of me on the outside that would reveal the true me. I I had to basically rebrand myself. This is in the mid-1980s, well before Tom Peters uttered the words personal branding in 1996, by the way, which we just celebrated 25 years of this concept. I, I absolutely was thinking, not with this language, but about my personal brand as a pre-suicidal 15-year-old really struggling to get a leg up on me. Um, and the the official preppy handbook was something that came into my life at that time. <laughs> I'm laughing because my college was in the preppy handbook, Mount Holyoke College. So. <laughs> oh, I love it. Um <laughs> so jealous like you 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 were like you were official in there um i you know just grew up in the northwest uh you know suburbs of chicago went to one of the top 10 high schools top 20 high schools uh that was named by president reagan's uh education council the year i graduated from high school 1987 and all that la di da stuff um mattered nothing to me because I, I saw, I suffered so much. Um, and I think that because I had this guidance from the most irreverent source, the official preppy handbook, I mean, it cannot be more silly in a way. Um, I absolutely read it. Like I was reading the Torah. Um, like it was like, this was the law you walk this way, you dress this way. I, I uh, talk about branding. I came up with a preppy nickname for myself, which, by the way, was Skippy, because <laughs> I absolutely loved Skippy Crunchy Peanut Butter, and Jif um, didn't sound like a very good preppy nickname. <laughs> Mount Holyoke, it was Mount Holyoke. It was Muffy Mount Holyoke is what it's called. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's just too much. So that is, you know, really where a lot of my philosophy was born. Um, And I I understood that I had to carry on um, with myself um, through the process of of remaking myself. And, and, And one last thing, this is like super personal, but I hope that you'll all find it um, interesting. During this really hard time in my life, um, 
a particular song really inspired me to keep going on and, and living another day, one day at a time while I was in this process of rebranding myself. And it's a, it's a Stevie Nicks song called Think About It. And she sings this beautiful line, um, your fortune is your life's love, among many other lines in the song. And I thought, I can't end myself because I don't know what my life's love is. I have to find my fortune. And what really is my fortune is helping other people now, working with my clients and inspiring them to see what is their superstar power, what really makes people show up and live up to their fullest potential as a human. And what really worked for me at that time and still does and is still very powerful for people who I work with is working from the outside in, working on your wardrobe, working on your image from the outside in is paradigm shifting. We tend to think that uh, we're broken, there are problems with us, we you know, need to keep working on who we are, and that's true. We should keep working on ourselves, but um, how we work on ourselves is really important. So sometimes, like uh, as a person who, given what I've just shared about myself, uh, Having had a lot of therapy, having been to a psychiatrist as a boy, all the all the things, um, there was a limit to how much I could really move ahead. And there's a point at which you just schlep all that garbage, you know, from the past, even if the past is, you know, two months ago and something horrible happens as a grown adult, Um how do you really move on? And and what I found was that by working on my image, which was an outer thing, it got me into the inner thing. And I, I was able to create a bond between my inner core self and my outer self. And I I rose above and I I li- I'm now living up to my potential, which is super exciting. And I could see that working for anybody uh really and that that's why i think that the story is so powerful and i really love how you say that that you're developing your your personal brand your personal image working on yourself from the outside in because i think most people or at least i have always thought of branding as a purely external facing thing that i am just putting on my brand to be able to sell myself to the clients but it doesn't go further than that. It's, it's kind of skin deep and this is how I present myself. Um, but you're really connecting it as, as the external allows you to work on yourself and to kind of build that, the inner brand, the personality you want to be, the person you want to be. Um, so I was hoping you could talk maybe a little bit more on, on how working on your external can allow you to to then work down to the the internal pieces as well. Absolutely. Uh, it really begins and ends with confidence. If you can move with confidence, then you can do other things with confidence. Here's a super quick and important exercise. I would invite you to just Think about something that you would like to have happen, like a goal or an objective that you would like to meet, and paint a picture in your mind of what that looks like. Not just a plaque on the wall that, hi, I achieved this thing. Um, How are you living your life? Like, really paint out this picture of what that success looks like. That's creating an inner image. Then I would say the next step is to allow yourself to feel whatever that feels like for you to have that experience of the achievement of that thing that you're going after. And Then, 
once you have this image and this feeling, get up and move. And perhaps even like do this exercise again while you are running or on the treadmill or cycling or doing something physical because the the pieces that you can create between the image in your head and the feeling that you conjure from that image of that thing that you want to attain and creating movement in your body now your whole body starts to associate with all these parts and if in fact it elevates your confidence that's the beginning part of being able to do anything else that you know will lead you to that to that goal to that fulfilling that objective when it comes to something like your wardrobe and and your image and your style and and how that impacts your brand this is the same thing you have to start with what do you want to look like what do you want to represent how will you feel when you are representing yourself your firm your matters your whatever it is in your life how you feel is important and the movement is not about physical activity like running or biking now it's actually putting on the clothes that's an action you guys and like we just do that by rote we don't even think that that's an action but i'm here to tell you that it is there's a difference in the feeling of putting on like something cozy when you want to take work off and there's something different when you go and take the action of putting on something where you say i am bringing my a game to this situation you feel it because you thought it you had a picture of it you took the action and now you're moving forward in that moment of being that person who you need to be and when you do that and you're prepared this allows you to stand in your greatness when you think about your body like it is a temple and you are adorning your body you are giving your body decoration protection and freedom to live up to its potential all of the ideas and thoughts and creativity and uh professional prowess that you have it exists within your body it exists within you and so showing it respect shows you self respect and in so doing you elevate your power and you feel it and then other people around you who need that from you begin to receive. Well, it's interesting because I was at trial more than 10 years ago and you know you're sleeping 3 hours a night and just trying to keep yourself together in terms of physically. And I remember I always, you know, take a shower no matter how little sleep I got, put on your your suit and one of the junior associates that was um representing one of the other defendants. She's like, "How how is it that you always come in and you look put together?" And I was like, "Because I'm representing myself." I'm representing my firm, but more importantly I'm representing my client. And no matter what, that you have to show that image to make sure that it it's clear to the judge and the jury, you know, who you are and what what you're standing here for. Very much so. And I would also say that um in service to the judge and the jury and 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 of course to your client that you represent, how you can use your being your physical being your presence your image your style your the way you're showing up to help tell the better story the story that helps you connect your message your narration to the judge and the jury and maybe even to the other side um can affect can be very effective 
um, in tipping the scale in your favor, and it's completely ethical to do it that way. I think one thing you're talking about that I find really interesting is the authenticity of it, though, as well, that this isn't a matter of saying, okay, you're a lawyer, and these are your colorings, so you're an autumn, so I'm going to go out and buy these four suits with these three blouses underneath, and this is going to be your uniform. It's really a lot more than that about finding a way to really connect with who you are so that you have that confidence um, kind of outpouring. I wanted to know if I could hear a little bit more about how you work with clients to, to work on their wardrobe, to really have it reflect who they are so that that confidence is really authentic and connected to who they are on the inside, as opposed to a cookie cutter, one size fits all capsule wardrobe. Oh, I love this. I have to begin by sharing a little bit of a, a funky analogy. I'm, I haven't watched this game show in forever, but I remember that the Wheel of Fortune bonus round, it used to be like back when I was a, a youngster, that the bonus round, you could pick any five consonants in one vowel. And over time, everybody started picking the same five consonants in one vowel. I know what they are. R-S-T-L-N-E. Okay. And what you're talking about Megan, is basically when people are phoning it in, they're just giving you the R-S-T-L-N-E. And then you have to kind of like guess the rest of the way to solving the puzzle on Wheel of Fortune, or in our case of what we're talking about, solving the puzzle that is your personal style, your brand, your image, your presence, this package of you. Well, now, of course, they just give everybody R-S-T-L-N-E, and they've probably made the puzzles even harder on Wheel of Fortune. And I don't care about any of that stuff because I don't see anybody as cookie cutter. Here's another visual example. I can tell you right now that the color navy connotes independent business thinking executive decision-making, trust and credibility. Now, if that's all that you take from this podcast and go out and get yourself a whole bunch of Navy suits, you are going to swim in a sea of Navy like every other person who is trying to convey the same thing. Guess what that is? In Wheel of Fortune terms, that's R-S-T-L-N-E. Maybe N for Navy. So the point is, is that you actually have like DNA inside of you that makes you, you as unique as your own thumbprint. Why we are not working harder to understand, which doesn't even have to be that hard, quite frankly, it's just it takes some time. Uh, to understand what makes you, you in that visual context creates all of the ushigushi stuff that's so super special about each of us. So, for example, clothing has to fit the body. We all know that. But if we are to talk about comfort, each person that is listening to this has their own construct of what comfort is. Some people immediately think of comfort as a suit because that's in a business context what some people think is appropriate and that's comfort. Other people immediately go to sweats. Uh, the most loose and, and voluminous it can be and the fluffiest it can be, well, that's that sounds really comfortable to me. Now, everyone can be right about this, but it all comes down to what is appropriate for the situation. So I, I think it's very important to understand who you are on a personality level so that when I understand and I'm working with, with my clients and, and I understand the several archetypes that they embody, um, I am then able to 
translate that into a style. The clothing has to fit the mind, which is where the personality exists. It cannot only fit the body. Imagine going out and spending an insane amount of money on great clothes. You have all the right labels, the right colors, whatever. Whatever somebody sells you into at your favorite boutique or department store. Um, your free personal shopper who just you know wants you to buy, buy, buy. Lots of stuff. And you get everything tailored and you get it all home and you look at it and really none of it inspires you. It's like somebody told you that you looked great in it, but honestly, it doesn't really feel very good. Um, that's, that's a huge problem. And by the way, I know tons of people who have had that happen to them and they have to back out of that. Um, and come crawling to me sheepishly like I should have been in touch with you. Um, I'm trying to help people avoid having that happen, and it's not even about whether people should work with me. Um, the issue is actually about what people are getting wrong about not understanding who they are. And people at retail don't understand uh, because you as a customer going into a store, if the interaction is uh, – I'm a sales associate right now. Hi, April, can I help you with anything? April, no, I'm just looking. Thank you. <laughs> there's. It's really hard to get to know somebody when there's a lack of interaction. So I am all about creating the connection and the interaction that allows for me and, and the client to study their personality. You could study your personality independently, but you have to then learn and, and come to understand how your personality qualities, traits, and characteristics, and dare I say, with love, even your quirks, add into how you generate a style for yourself, a look, so that when you walk into a room before you even say a word, if you ever say a word, people know something about you. And no, I'd love to add to that because, um, as I mentioned earlier, there was a New York Times article back in December of 2022 where you were quoted a few times. And it's and I, I've lived in the Bay Area for almost 25 years now. And the title of the article is, Hey, Silicon Valley, maybe it's time to dress up, not dress down. <laughs> and there's a great quote that you have. When tech bros like SBF are mid-meteoric rise in notoriety and wealth building, the public is willing to give them a pass because they look, their look is de rigueur. The costume has been reinforced by Hollywood and the sheer fact that every time a VC forks over a massive investment to a schlubbily dressed person, almost 100% of the time male presenting, it's a passive form of approval. And then after that, Scott Galloway, I'm a big fan of his, he says, if a person of color, a woman, or a 50-year-old showed up like that, security would probably not let them in the building. Yeah, exactly. As someone who's over 50 and female, that's exactly right. So love your comments about that because we're talking about a Silicon Valley quote unquote style that has been developed as sort of like an, an FU look, so to speak. Well, it's this attempt at being countercultural, which back in the day that this originated, it was. But then it became the culture de rigueur. That's why I said so. It's the it became the norm. Um it's kind of insane because it's it's a huge game now um, to be countercultural, and now it's really like that's how you fit in. Um, and so, someone like on the par of SBF was um, really trying to look scrappy in order to get what he was looking to get. And he got it. I mean, come on, Sequoia Capital gave him a $250 million investment that I don't know if it's worth a penny right now after they had to write down all of their debt. I mean, all of that's kind of now going, but my- Well, my, and then there, there's, sorry, and there's also yeah. that fake it till you make it. That's like the Silicon Valley kind of mantra, right? And it may, perhaps goes to what you're saying. 
Yeah, it, I I am f- bound up about how much people gain or lose on the premise of faking it till you make it, and I I despise the whole thing because if I were an investor, I would want I, I even if I have an appetite for risk, my sense is. Take the risk where you feel like there's more of a sure thing going on. And, um, you know, what we're, what we found out with SBF after all is that that was, um, that was, people thought it was a sure bet until it wasn't. And I, I'm asserting by saying all of this that how he showed up to get where he got and then to get where he got after he got what he got and then lost it, got to follow the, that logic um you know he absolutely in my estimation showed his weak spots right just by showing up in 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 oversized baggy shorts and ill-fitting wrinkly probably dirty because they certainly look dirty unwashed t-shirts like is that and here's a guy in in the crypto business like that's a person with the fiduciary responsibility not unlike lawyers who also have a fiduciary responsibility to their clients. Do you want people to whom you have a fiduciary responsibility to see that you look like a schlub? (laughs) Um, I, I I think it sets a dangerous precedent. And the reason I even singled out Sequoia and sharing what I was sharing a moment ago is if I were um, a VC or if I were advising them, I would say to them, you need to really take a good hard look at what you're looking at. Don't look beyond what you're looking at. That is a face value thing that you need to pay attention to. And the rest of us who show up and look professional are making an effort. And I, and I would say that we're making an effort in more than just how our appearance is. We're making that same kind of effort in the ethic of our work and how much we put into our behind-the-scenes stuff, which goes back to what you were sharing about what I uh, the story that I was craft that I'd crafted on that page of my website you were sharing at the start of the podcast. One of the threads April kind of teased at there was that there are different expectations sometimes in how you show up between men and women. And I think we can see in the startup culture, um, men can show up in the dirty t-shirts and the the torn jeans and the flip-flops and pretty much looking a little slovenly. And and they're still given that confidence because it's it's seen somewhat as almost like a creative genius where, where they don't even have time to care about what they look like because they're too busy being smart and coming up with new ideas. And and April mentioned if if a woman had shown up in that same way, she wouldn't be taken seriously. I mean, I think we see how Elizabeth Holmes tried to mimic other people, but but she was she kept it clean, right? Like ever things were well fitted. She did her makeup, um, and she wore kind of the same outfit every day. So I wonder if there's, um, or maybe you can just talk about uh, for for people who who may be held to different standards, whether it's men versus women or or any other breakdown. How do you balance being authentic to yourself and really branding yourself in a way that's true to you while also ensuring that it doesn't that you meet the expectations of the industry that you're in? In some ways, I believe it really starts with the industry. <laughs> you have to kind of it's like a foil. You have to kind of resolve this um, solution backwards. Um, there is an expectation of your profession, there is an expectation of your firm or your business, Um, there's a culture. And while it is important to fit into said culture or said silo in a business or even within a law firm, um, a person who handles IP may be very different than a person who handles bankruptcy. Because it's different kinds of law. Not all law is the same. Um, that's R-S-T-L-N-E law. It's just generalizing. So, And you know we're going to be using that, that from now on. 
R S T L N E. So yeah, that's going to be our new mantra. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Um, so if you kind of foil it backwards from there, you know, you've got your you've got your industry, you've got your workplace culture. And then there is the client that you have to represent intermittently, which you don't only have one client, you have a number. Um, it's like threading a needle and you are the thread, <laughs> um, quite frankly, it, which is so cool because it's very special. You're a very special human being. You, the listener, you are a very special human being. You are imbued with special talents and powers and gifts. And that needs to shine and show. So within the construct of your culture at work and the industry that you are in and the clients who you serve, then, which are not only the businesses, by the way, they're also the people that you interface with within those businesses, which is why I said who. Then there is you, and there is your personality, there is your physicality, there are your quirks, there are all the things that make you special. And I think that that's important to be able to put all of that out there. When we're talking about the difference between genders and roles and expectations and acceptability, this is tough to say, but... There are a lot of women who learned how to be like men in business. And they can be very hard on other women. So <laughs> I'm I, you and I are this I, we're a few years apart, but I couldn't agree with you more because I've found that some of the women that were a generation before me were harder on me than any man would have been and perhaps even some of my contemporaries. I totally agree with that. It's very difficult. But here's the the good news of this is how special I'm telling you that you are and that I believe in you. You have to believe that for yourself. You have to be independent. You have to be that blue suit wearing or blue dress wearing individual without necessarily wearing the blue. You have to take that independent ability to make decisions and be an executive decision maker upon yourself and treat yourself as a special individual. That does not mean that you have to be bigger than who you are or who you are capable of being, just that you need to be the fullest version and the best version of yourself simultaneously. You have a responsibility to yourself to put yourself out there that way. The idea that some cisgendered white dude who looks like a jlub, um, you know, has this ability to get away with something is actually operating at a loss. Envision, if you will, if people who we are not denigrating, but criticizing, critiquing, for showing up looking like they can get away with it, what else are they getting away with? If you are female, or if you're male and you're listening to this, the same is true as far as I'm concerned, when you show up looking like your best self, prepared to live up to the fullest of your potential, letting your gifts and your talents exude out of you to do the best work you can do, to be the best collaborator that you can be, to be the best business partner that you can be. The reason that people want to work with you isn't because you're, eh, I live with it. People really want the best of you. And if you want to command the best fees, the the most success, to be able to write your own ticket, which I think every attorney that I have ever met is very concerned with being able to develop their business the way they want, you have to show up and be that person. You have to show up and represent that you are worthy of that before you are given it. There shouldn't have to be an expectation. You're you're not carrying your resume with you, your CV, 
or all the things that you've done up to the second that, you know, proved that you were worth anything. You show up to a meeting right now, today, like in 10 minutes after you listen to this podcast, you you have to show up like you are worthy of it because of what's going on now. If you want a better future, you have to leverage what you can bring to the table right now. And that is where this idea of comparing oneself to the schlubby person can only drag you down. And so I want to say, fight the urge to do that and stand in your own power. That is the best way to move through this very moment to build and create the kind of future that you envision. And going back to something you said earlier to build on that about having your personal brand also embrace maybe like your quirks, just, you know, all aspects of your personality. Do you feel like in this industry in particular and law that there has been kind of an opening a little bit broader mindset as to what is, you know, quote unquote, acceptable in terms of fashion. I feel like even just 14 years ago when I was in law school, it was very much you go to your interview in your Brooks Brother pinstripe or navy suit. And I feel like today, I wouldn't necessarily expect that of somebody walking into my office, I would expect them to be professional. But my hunch is that people really are playing with and embracing fashion in a different way than maybe they did 10 or 15 years ago. But I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Oh, do we have another hour? This is such a great, <laughs> I love this because the, okay, so lots of things flash into my head as, as I'm listening to you ask this question, Megan. And I feel like as an example, lots of image consultants of your, like I'm using old language because they're kind of like old and tired um, concepts, um, just like some of the people who would say them. I'm not a person who's going to say them. I'm just going to repeat them for <laughs> humor, for the purpose of, of, of demonstrating like how ridiculous it is. Jewelry for ladies, um, that the jewelry should be quiet like literally you should be able to put on jewelry that pearl doesn't dangle i remember it was yeah pearl earrings to your interview and a pearl i went to school in the south for law school and you could wear a, a pearl necklace but that was that was about it now doesn't that sound limiting and who probably made up those crazy rules some dude who didn't wear jewelry either and didn't want to hear, you know, ladies moving like, you know, it's like, I'm serious, like, someone probably thought it's bad enough that we have to have ladies in law school, like with us guys, like now we're going to tell them they have to be quiet, we're they're going to basically bound you down. Like, it's a kind of bondage. There, I said it. And I hate it. I And there are a lot of female image consultants that I have known over decades of this work where that is still to this day the advice that they want to give. And you know what that is? R-S-T-L-N-E. They are just reducing everything to the lowest common denominator and 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 maybe those you know solutions aren't even part of your puzzle this is the thing that really infuriates me like i think you should be able to wear jewelry that is flattering on your face and complimentary of your persona i think if you make a little bit of noise with your jewelry then do so uh if you're if you're a person who likes to wear high heels or a sensible heel, a heel of any kind, and you are walking, you're probably going to make noise on the sidewalk, or you're going to make noise when you're walking in the courtroom, or you're going to make noise when you are walking down a non-carpeted hallway in your office. Guess what? If guys are wearing dress shoes like I'm wearing today, we are making that noise too. Why is it acceptable for a dude to be able to make that noise with their footwear, but ladies are 
not. You know, it's people are admonished for the stupidest things. And I think that we need to have more freedom of expression through our personal style. And when it comes to jewelry or other accessories like wearing scarves or wearing eyewear, um, I think all of these things, uh, handbags, for goodness sake, um, are such a good telltale of who you are. Um, I, I think all of those things are very important um, style demarcators so that even if you have a uh, a core kind of a wardrobe that um, you want to be able to rinse and repeat and get lots of mileage out of, like like some good suits um, or dresses um, or a mix mixture of those types of things. Uh, it, the accessories become very important to telegraphing who you are. I would also say your hairstyle and how you wear makeup if you wear makeup. I'm not a I'm not a makeup mandator. Um, that's a weird pun coming from me as a man. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not I don't mandate these things, but I, I would like as an individual that you determine what would be comfortable and right for you. Some people, most people I know who are professionals and and in the law, love to wear makeup. Uh, not a hundred percent, but most do. But most people want the effortless looking makeup. So it's like, hi, I have kids. Um, I need, you know, no more than seven minutes to do my to do my makeup in the morning because that's the max. And if I could do it for in less, great. Um, I'd say go work with a makeup artist to give you some good lessons. If you're in the Bay Area, I know someone amazing I can send you to, by the way. Um, the point is, is that you should be able to do things that create ease in your life, that allow you to feel powerful and confident, whether it is a makeup application, the kinds of colors that you wear in your face, the even if you want to put color in your hair, that does not mean that you are showing up being disrespectful of people. It means that you are making yourself out to be more on brand to who you are and more relatable. Well, you know, I want to go back to that power because when you were talking about the high heels on in the hallway, when I've been in courthouses and I hear that, to me, that's like there's a badass coming down, you know, the hallway. I love to hear that. And then pivoting. I know you've had um, one of Nancy Pelosi's quotes that's a favorite of yours is that power is taken. I know her favorite shoe is a kitten heel, but she certainly has her own personal brand. But can you talk maybe a little bit more about kind of power is taken, that concept? Well, in her context, she meant that the other part of the quote is that it is not given. You have to take it. And that's where I'm, I'm advocating for you, listener, that I want you to feel like you can embrace your own power. No one is going to give it to you. I can tell you, I can report to you, not just as a professional, but as someone who survived all of the bullying and trauma and tumult of my early life. Nobody gave me anything. If anything, they were threatened by my awesome presence. And they took it away from me, if anything. What I had to do then is what I help people do today, right this second. What I am hoping to inspire you to do, which is to seize upon your power and wield it. It's not enough that you connect with your power, but that you don't plug in. To it, what I implore you to do is to go in and get a deeper understanding and appreciation for your self-image, love yourself, and all of the different parts of yourself, and put all of that into your your being, your presence of being. That is your personal brand. If you are a person who is loyal, if you are a person with a vision, if you are a person who is spiritual, if you are a person who handles fears very well and goes through them, and people know these things about you and, and a whole host of other things that make up your self-image, when you connect with all of those things, 
and even to risk risk the vulnerability of being honest when you don't know the answer or when something is unclear or when you need more information whatever these things are to be able to risk the vulnerability that somebody will reject you because you are honest is wielding your personal power in fact nobody can really threaten you that's why i say about vulnerability that it is to risk the vulnerability if if you are in your power there is basically no risk to show up and be your full self i love that discussion of power because i think some people see have a oh i'm going to mess up what the vowels are r s t l n e of of power of what what they think uh power is and that it's loud or that it's male or that it's it's the navy suit and everyone has that what they think a stereotype of power is but the examples you just gave whether it's spiritual whether it's loyal like there's a lot of different types of of power that don't need to be loud they don't need to be uh what everyone else's is it's just about being true to yourself and and I love that cuz my power is a little loud I love the stiletto heels I love that they announce my presence as I walk into the courtroom as I'm walking up to the lectern like I like that but other people don't need that that's not their power their power might be quieter and might be more um they might give a different presence of just I am trustworthy and I am telling you the truth where I am more like I am announcing my truth to you so I I love the the different examples you gave of of power there. Oh, I'm so glad that resonated. I I wanted also just quickly share about this that um sometimes when I'm profiling my clients and I'm understanding who they are that perhaps they this might be an introverted person and they exhibit power. Everybody has the chance to exhibit power. Really as you said so beautifully kate that it could be a quiet power um that doesn't necessarily mean that she is going to show up wearing a pair of chanel ballet flats she might actually also have in her persona certain boldness about her that does not always come out in the verbal way she may bring it but if i put her into a pair of very solid boots you know that really show some attitude that is reflective of her own kind of personal boldness and then she has to show up in court all of a sudden this helps her perform this is not costuming this helps her perform at the level that she needs to bring it when she is in that particular situation and since i referenced uh my idol stevie nicks before this is really no different than when a rock star shows up on stage such as her and is you know wowing everybody with her chiffon and tulle and and twisting and turning and you know um in fog and all of that and and wearing boots this is how she as a performer shows up with unbelievable grace and power she's my greatest example ever in my life of what a personal brand looks like from my childhood and so we all can learn from each other we can learn from what we see on the rockstar stage we and how can you then turn that into being your own rockstar and your firm and with your clientele who you're serving this is how you do it you you get to really understand that there is a secret language to clothing and style that you can learn and understand and wear and when you do you understand your power through the way that you can communicate it through all of these pieces it's it's great to think about all of it as fashion and trends and being fashionable and being trendy and all that in the end what matters the most is how you connect all of these things that you can attribute to yourself as markers 
of your personality that allow you to be powerful, have your quirks, love what you're doing, and enjoy, bring joy, enjoy your day every single day. I can't think of anything more powerful than that. First, I have to say my older brother and his best friend in high school were completely obsessed with Stevie Nicks. (laughs) There's that. Um, One thing I was talking to your partner, Phil, earlier, and, you know, we were talking about some of the some of the nuances of things in terms of your personal brand, et cetera. And one of the things he had mentioned is it even goes to the point of if you're going into a meeting or meeting with a client having something that reflects that you're a good listener, that you have authority and command. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Because we talk about kind of what it means to show up and be in the room. Yeah. So some days listening is what is really called for. Uh, One of the tricks that I really like uh, is to tell people to wear the right kind of gray that looks good on them. And by the way, Some people do not look good in gray at all, so we have to come up with an alternative. That's why this is not RSTLNE. This is really individualized, and there are so many grays out there that, um, you know, there are brown grays and blue grays and green grays and uh, lots of different kinds of grays out there with different undertones. So it's important to wear the one that is flattering for you. Um, without getting getting into the weeds on how to figure that out in a podcast. Uh, but th- that's important. Gray is a quieter color. It is a more introverted kind of a color. Um, in lieu of that, being able to wear clothing where the fabric absorbs light instead of reflecting light takes the visual focus off you. So when you pose a question and say to your client, oh, that's a really interesting conundrum you're having. Tell me more about that. And you just kick back and sit back and listen and like are very actively listening. Um, Wearing the right kinds of clothing and color um, can help with your cognition, actually, about how you show up to be the listener in that moment. It's it's not magic, but what in some ways it really is, is it's about creating the intention that, oh, today's meeting, the most pivotal meeting that I have, has to be this one where I have to shut up and listen and ask pointed questions and not do the talking. So, I might be meeting with anybody else today, but like the thing that's going to put more food on my table is going to be this meeting and I'm going to show up and put on my, my gray, quote unquote, my gray and, or my muted color that, you know, just doesn't put a lot of onus and emphasis on me going into the closet with that intention to choose that garment, to choose that uh, outfit, to create that ensemble, puts a certain kind of intention through dressing into what you have to do that day. So when I go back to my exercise, paint a picture in your head of what you want to have happen. How will you feel to achieve that thing? Take action. Get dressed is taking that action. This is all about creating this kind of intentionality and doing these kinds of things helps you then show up for a time when you have to be more passive, if you will. But you're never off just to be passive. It's to help nurture the kind of communication, conversation, meeting that you need to have. There are other days when you need to Bring it. And you do the opposite. And then there are other days where you know that you are under the gun. You know that it's going to be 12 hours in your office at least. And it's head down. If you peek in, leave me alone like I'm working. Um, This doesn't necessarily mean, uh, you know, throwing on a hoodie and putting the hoodie on over your head, like really trying to, you know, completely shut the world out when you're in your office. 
But there are other things that you can do stylistically, of course, to help do that. And and sometimes it, it also comes down to, well, maybe today is not going to be a blouse day. Maybe today is going to be a, a knit day. Maybe I want to wear a boucle. It's attractive on me. Or I want to wear a cashmere sweater. Because although I'm not going to be looking at myself in the on my computer, um, I have all this work to do. I'm not going to be so self-focused. Maybe what I need to do on occasion is touch my forearm with my free hand and feel myself, what I'm wearing, and be soothed in the fact that I'm okay, that I'm actually comforting myself. If I were working from home, maybe I could go lounge on my bed and I could lay in my terry cloth bathrobe that I stole from the spa, whatever. And, you know, but in reality, what you want is, is you've got to show up and be prepared that you might actually have to interface with someone. So this is still about being professional, but it's about how can you actually give yourself that, going back to the point of comfort, the comfort that is soothing, that still allows you to be professional and especially focused on the tasks at hand so that you're cognitively checked in and actually able to get through more of your work more efficiently and effectively, possibly quicker, because you've had that focus. And you created that intention starting at the beginning of your day, after you had a shower, whenever you go and pick out your outfit, and you know what you're going to wear. It is so powerful how that kind of decision will sit with you for that whole day. I felt like you were spying on me when you said that because one of my favorite pet <laughs> stuff done outfits is my oversized black cashmere sweater with my stretchy black fitted jeans that are very comfortable, but it looks nice. I put them on with a great pair of boots. And then when I'm stomping from Grand Central to our offices, you know, I'm kind of getting psyched up for my day, sit down at my desk, get it done. But, um, but you're very right that, you know, how you start your day the action of putting on that outfit can really set the tone for what's happening next. You know, how you're approaching your day, what is your goal? Um, but I had never heard it articulated quite as well as that. So thank you. That would really um, hit the nail on the head for me and articulate something I'd felt, but had never been able to describe before. I love that you felt it. And if if I'm only here to articulate that so that it it more than validates your feeling, it really, you know, you feel like, oh, my gosh, this is actually real. Um, that is exactly what's happening. I'm trying to say the quiet part out loud. Joseph, what advice would you have for someone who finds themselves to be the first or the only in the room? Own it. It's an opportunity and also, it is important to know that by your presence being the one, the only, the first in that room, there is a reason why you are there. Part of your communication plan and part of your presence overall, including your style and your image, is to find the ways in which you are relatable with those around you in that space. If it makes you feel a little ooky to be the one, the only, the first, try not to highlight all of that by attaching to being the first, the only, the one. You can't help but be that person. And believe me, everyone is going to observe you as that person. In some ways, it really requires that you be the bigger person. That if you are the first, if you are the only, if you are the one, there is a little pressure on you, but I'm not trying to invite that you put the pressure on. It's just inherently there. But the pressure that I'm I'm talking about, we need to we need to turn it into something, which is of course a power opportunity. 
not to overtake or be aggressive upon people, but how can you impress upon people that you have things in common with those people in that room? How can you get them to see that you are more than that one, that first, or that only person? It is really important that people have respect for you, that you earned your way into that space, however which way you got there. I hope it's an ethical way, and a legal way, of course. But the point is, is that once you're there, you have an opportunity to show people something that is about you, and on the larger scale, represents all those of you who are not in that room. We're talking about creating a cultural change. And when you are the first, you are the one, you are the only. And I can say this with experience personally. You have this incredible gift of an opportunity to represent First, you have to represent you and your interest and why you are there. But if you would like to see this become easier for you and for those just like you who are not in that room, your battle, if you will, begins by having a campaign that is really not a battle at all. It is about showing that you have the presence of being to be there that is on par, yet different, and just as valuable as anyone else who's in that room. Over time, you will make impressions upon those same people in that room. And more people just like you will have an opportunity that you have when you are the first, the only, the one. You can be the first, the only, and the one of many. This is a great leadership opportunity, and I would stand up and wield your power and grab it because it will not be given to you. You have to take it. I love that. What a wonderful way to end. Joseph, it's been such a pleasure having you on today, and I have a feeling that... um Uh, the three of us are going to have some private conversations with you. (laughs) So really appreciate it. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us today. Subscribe to Sidebars on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, or your preferred platform. And don't forget to rate or leave a review. If you have any questions or feedback on this or any other episode of Sidebars, or if there's a topic for a future episode that you'd be interested in having us explore, please reach out to us at social media at kilpatricktownsend.com. If you enjoyed Sidebars, we invite you to check out Kilpatrick Townsend's Medicine and Molecules blog at kilpatricktownsend.com to read, watch, and listen to other related insight. You can also follow us on social media and subscribe to our YouTube channel. We'll put that information in the show notes. The opinions expressed on this podcast are our own and are not those of Kilpatrick Townsend.